1: Don't you always want to be the best you can be? The Frankie Boyer Show. What is this? It's more than a lifestyle show, it's a show about living in today's world. I think something is happening. Frankie enthusiastically brings an amazing, eclectic mix to the airwaves. You got that right. One of the reasons she's earned legions of loyal fans is very simple. When you listen to The Frankie Boyer Show, you just never know what's going to happen next. So listen for yourself. Here is Frankie Boyer. And
2: welcome. It is so nice to have you with us on BizTalk Radio. Joining us today, our first guest, is Lewis Carter. He's CEO and president of Best Practice Institute, which is a benchmark research consortium association and management consulting firm. He's written many books, including Change Champions, and best practices in talent management he's lectured all over the country He has appeared in fast company investors business daily business watch magazine and his new book is out it's called in great company how to achieve peak performance by creating an emotionally connected workplace and it's a pleasure welcome to the program lewis Lewis, are you
3: there? Thank you for having me, Frankie. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you.
2: Oh, yeah. No, we're thrilled to have you. So, first of all, <laughs> it's a silly question, but is there anyone that really is emotionally sound to be emotionally connected?
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's a choice, right? <laughs> do, you, do you wake up in the morning and, you want to, and you're want and you emotionally connected? Some of us are, some of us aren't. You, yeah. It's definitely a choice. You know, yeah. and, and um, some need their first cup of coffee in the morning to get there. Um, others may be there already, and it does come down to brain chemistry uh, to some degree. And for others, it, it it comes down to really making that choice for how we can use certain parts of our brain to enable that kind of emotional connectedness. And in the book, there's really a formula for doing that.
2: You know, we we hear about these creative workplaces and workspaces, and it sounds neat. I mean, as someone who Who works in my home office in my home it's it's a very different uh, conversation for me and I'm on the phone a lot and I have the freedom to do a lot of different things which has its plus and minuses but but I'm so envious of being in a collective because I have in the past and and they're really fabulous
3: And you say in the collective. Did you use the word in the collective?
2: Is it is yes.
3: the word you
2: use? I want
3: to make yes. It. Yeah. Tell me more about that. In the collective. Well no, I mean, mean being yeah.
2: Being in a group, being involved in connections with other people.
3: Like it, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There there's magic that can happen, certainly. Um and I think the, the key is, is is who who is in your collective and there's something called referent groups and A referent group is, the definition is people with whom we identify the most. So some people call that our, you know, it could be our family. Some others call it our religious group. Some other people, you know, call that our, uh, you know, our bowling league. So it doesn't really matter who they are. Being in the collective is different for everybody. Uh, and you know, if you're in a company, you're saying some. You're talking about being in a really innovative work culture. It's for some people. It is about their their referent group is their innovative work culture, and about coming to work and knowing that this is the place that I'll really thrive. My ideas will be appreciated, yes. and I can even enable something that's larger than I thought I could when I first got up in the morning and was emotionally disconnected.
2: You say that this is. The the point of this is what you're saying is that the heart of every great company is this emotional connection. And I agree with you because if there isn't that connection, it's really hard to build that team and be in it together.
3: It's true. Uh, I did an experiment. One of the things I talk about in the book, we we did an experiment and I brought about 20 executives together and uh in one room and i split them in half and uh well not that kind of splitting although i'm sure there's a lot of executives you may want to split in half but we I <laughs> divided them in half two groups yes. of ten and, and i said to them i said i said to them i said to them both i said i want you to decide whether or not you want to endorse and recommend each other on linkedin i said you could go decide and okay so i split them into two, two there are two groups two rooms one room i went in there and we did We have this emotional connectedness uh, sort of work we do where people are focused on each other. They listen really closely. They ask each other specific questions about how they work in the world and how they feel respected and how they can collaborate, how they align values and how they can create outcomes. And then they, they listen so much that they have to introduce the other person and then the entire group. Begins to discuss this very concept in this one other room. The other room got to just decide whether they wanted to endorse or recommend each other on on LinkedIn. So you could probably guess what happened, right, Frankie? What happened? No, tell us. Tell us. Yeah. So all right. So the the other the other room. We'll talk about them. So in the other room, uh, well, some people uh, some of them left in the other room. uh, Some got paranoid, and you know, you know, in all fairness and truth to them, I, I was videotaping them. And uh, the the uh, and, and they ended up just n- never wanting to endorse, recommend, or probably even see each other uh, ever again. And they called they re- they named their group Chop Liver. So uh, the the uh, and the other group because they felt the other group the it was hundred percent bought in. They hundred percent recommended, uh, endorsed each other on LinkedIn, became friends, went out for drinks later. They felt this kind of thing where the uh, some some tea some didn't drink. So, so I to your other types of forms of liquids, but what happened, and what happened here is that one group, because they did the work up front, because they started from a place of understanding each other and really having a dialogue, it it, it became known that you're all human, you all need the same thing, you all need help uh, in in promoting your careers and each other. So let's do it, <laughs> you know, because we yeah. all want to excel in life.
2: Right? Absolutely. Really absolutely. It's so true. Yeah. It's absolutely true. You know, you, you write about why it matters and, and you say, and it's true that in too many organizations, the workplace is marked by disfati- disf- dissatisfaction and, and people are just not into it. They're just, they just do the, the, the routine, but they're not really emotionally vested.
3: It, it's true. It, it's very true. And that emotional investment, everybody knows what this is like. And you could probably do you remember a job where you had where you just you, you felt oh, like yeah. you, you're like George Costanza, right? You had yeah, to go underneath yeah. the desk and just hide all day. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and absolutely. Probably something happened there. It wasn't it wasn't about the work, was it? It was about for, for most people. It, and I say this for myself as well. It's about the you know, do we feel do we feel like we can be helped when we need help? Do we feel like we can go out and get advice when we need it? Do people care or have a positive vision of a future? Can they see the future? Do we have do we see next steps and what we need to do every day with each other? And you know, when we just have dissatisfaction and just festers and lives on its own, you know, only two percent of those people we found actually leave. So those are the two percent of society who leave really bad relationships. Thanks, guys. You know, we have some functional people in the world. The other 98% stay like you're describing, let it fester, and end up giving really horrible glass door reviews once they leave down the road. They they, and that paycheck gets worse and worse as you get less and less utility from those those employees. And it, be, it creates this culture of toxicity, and everybody knows what that culture is like.
2: I mean, you don't want to get up in the morning. And and you don't want to have yeah. to deal with it. And it may it's just like a trickling. the The effects are just they really affect every part of your being.
3: It does. It's it, you have it's a chemical response. You have uh, less oxytocin, less dopamine in your system, which means that you know you're basically your neurotransmitters are not firing as much. So you, people get depressed at work. It's one of the biggest epidemics nobody knows about uh, and and nobody admits. It's true. It's true, yeah. And it's it's true, right? So so the the panacea to all of this is to start from that place of of connection with people on a daily basis. We shouldn't just lock ourselves in because – Most of the world of work, now now we want flex time. We want more time at home, and that's great because we want more time with our families. We probably want more – and the thing is we want more time with our families because we feel – most of us feel more love there. We feel more connection there. We feel more acceptance there, and that kind of acceptance needs needs to be extended to work, and the only way to do that is for great leaders to live it at work.
2: You really get into all of this in the book, which is so critical. You outline the five essential elements to emotional connection, and it's on the research that you've done with hundreds of CEOs and executives from you know, Best Buy to Netflix, and the traits that really help employees feel like they're in a great company, and who doesn't want to be a part of a great team?
3: It- it's true. But Who, who doesn't? I mean, that that it becomes infectious when you get into a team that has a really clear vision. Whether it be, you know, Netflix being able to not go outside your house and to get a movie, and you can and heck, you, you can stay at your house, your house and under in your underwear and get get a movie, right? Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> it's absolutely. It's a a phenomenal. pretty cool. It's
2: pretty cool, uh, Louis. Cool, <laughs> it's pretty cool. Thank you so much for being with us. We're out of time. In great company. How to achieve peak performance by creating an emotionally connected workplace what's the best website
3: you go lewiscarter.com
2: awesome
4: that's really the
3: best place
2: yep thank you so much and we'll be right back i'm frankie boyer stay tuned this is biz talk radio
4: And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. BDW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Now you can watch business videos on demand. Go to BizVod.com for details. That's B-I-Z-V-O-D.com. If I say to you
2: tomorrow... Welcome back. It is Frankie Boyer. And you just have to put on the television... ...to see how devastating these floods are all over this country. You know, record amounts of of rain, still snow. They've caused so much flooding. Many parts of, of, believe it or not, all 50 states have experienced flash floods in the past two years. And another sad fact is that most homeowners do not have flood insurance can you imagine losing everything and not being able to recover I I just can't even imagine what that must be like Um Carice Morrison is with us t- today to discuss flood safety and preparedness and and she is with USAA a weather damage expert and an executive director of residual markets and it's nice to have you with us Carice Thank you for
0: having me. I'm glad to be here.
2: So, I mean, is it the worst this year, do you think?
0: I know it's certainly very bad. I don't know about worse. You know, I hate to say that. I hate to label one worse over the other. But we know there seems to be more and more flooding going on. And and we find out now that no home is completely safe from the potential of flooding. And it can be such an emotional and financial yes. devastating yes.
2: event. You know, it used to be you were in a flood zone. And but well, the truth the truth is that, that there is no more flood zone. You know, I'm I'm on I'm in a neighborhood that never had an issue with flooding, never. And now, in the right, past yeah. several years. When it floods and the tide is high and all of those, you know, uh, astronomical things are happening, the boardwalk, the parking lot across the street from where we live is underwater. It's never been like that.
0: I know that you can't really say that there's a high-risk flood zone anymore. It's really, everyone is in a flood zone. It's just what type of zone you are, but everyone has a potential, a risk to flooding, because floods can happen anywhere to anyone at any time. In fact, floods are the number one natural disaster in our country. So you're right. It's not just about am I in a high-risk flood zone or am I in a flood zone. It's really understanding what your risk is and the way to protect against that risk.
2: So how does it, tell us what we need to know about this insurance, please.
0: Well, first, it's important to understand that the homeowner policy, the typical homeowner policy, does not include flood. And so I want to make sure that we clear that misconception up right away. So if you understand that homeowner insurance does not cover flood, then it will lead you to to think about where can I get that coverage? The National Flood Insurance Program offers a policy that does cover flood. And that is available to almost everyone in our country, whether you're, you are in a high-risk area or a low-risk area. Everyone has access to that insurance, and they can learn more about it by contacting their insurance professional, and that person can walk them through that process. So they can get coverage then, because as I said, it can happen to anyone at any time.
2: Yes, yes. Um, I remember years ago, oh my god the blizzard of i'm dating myself but the blizzard of 78 which just was a wipeout for here just a total wipeout and the flooding was horrific horrific and everybody got water everybody got water and it was real apparent Mm -hmm. how devastating it was and how long it took for people to recover from that and from that one storm because it doesn't take much when you have water in your basement every single thing in that basement is contaminated everything you cannot save anything it just it's it there's mold i mean it goes on and on and on it has terrible effects for the health and and pets and and then if it goes into your into your living quarters, you know, even an inch of water in your living room. Think about that. You know, I'm looking around my my apartment right now, and if I had an inch of water right here, it would be devastating.
0: And, you know, FEMA reports that just an inch of water in your home can cause up to $25,000 worth of damage. So you are exactly right. An inch of water is devastating. $25,000 is significant um, and to most anyone's budget. So um, preparing for that, having insurance in place to protect against that is so important. And I'd I'd like to add to make sure that everyone understands that the National Flood Insurance Program has a 30-day waiting period from the time you purchase a policy before the policy goes into effect. So the time to act is now. Don't wait for the storm activity to be on your front door. Don't wait for it to be storm season or hurricane season or snow melt season or wherever it might be that you are uh, most exposed to flood. The time to act is now so that effective date can come into place after the 30 days and you have coverage you need at the time of loss.
2: Yes, that's really critical. You do not want to wait, and especially with the erratic behavior of weather. I mean, it's erratic. It's crazy. We've had it here in, in New England and Boston especially. You know, it, it's 20 degrees one day, 70 the next day, snow, showers. I mean, it's just crazy patterns, raining more than usual, and that's the kind of year that everybody's been having.
5: Right,
0: and pad- weather patterns seem to be different and flooding seems to be different right now and so many things can go on to contribute to floods that are even in the construction in the community uh, area right there could be homes and sidewalks and houses and roads where there was open area for water to accumulate so that can change the runoff pattern from where it used to go to now possibly right in your backyard so
2: absolutely having that
0: awareness Understanding your risk, talking to the insurance professionals is so critical to help you make the right decisions.
2: And floods are the number one natural disaster in the United States. There's no doubt about it. Uh, just, right. it. There's no doubt about it. And the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration said that this year, again, will be a record year for floods. That's pretty scary that they're even saying that. So give us the website, scary. Carice, please.
0: So our website for our company is usaa.com slash flood. That will take you to our site that has helpful flood information, and it will also help you to learn more about getting the National Flood Insurance Program policy. Another website through the federal government is floodsmart.gov. That's floodsmart, one word.gov. dot gov. So USA.com slash flood and floodsmart.gov are two great online tools. Awesome. To help-
2: Thank you so much, Chris. Great information, and we'll be right back. I'm Frankie Boyer.
1: Biz Talk Radio is powered by Freedom Solar. Find out more at freedomsolar.com. BizTalk Radio. Hey Jude.
2: And welcome back. It is Craig Boyer. Bad. Joining us now right here on BizTalk Radio is Dr. Take Robert T. London. Someone He's a well-known psychiatrist, educator, writer. He's been a practitioner for over 40 years and he is the founder and former head of the short term psychotherapy unit at NYU's Langone Medical Center and a pioneer in consumer healthcare radio and TV programming. We've been reading his articles uh, for years in newspapers and magazines and, and leading medical journals. And we're so thrilled he's with us today with talking about his new book, Find Freedom Fast Short term therapy that works. And it's a pleasure. Welcome, Dr. London. Hi, hi. Thank you so much for having me this morning on your show. So, Dr. London, this is a different concept because a lot of people that have anxiety, and and my goodness, there are many people who suffer, you know, uh, anxiety and depression and reliving traumatic experiences that they just cannot get over and they just can't so you have anxiety you have people that have ptsd um it causes all kinds of issues including insomnia so and and you know and i know that medications are not all the not not always the answer in many cases most of the medications aren't really effective
5: yeah, and many times people don't want to take medication. That's very important. Well, when I, when I finished medical school, I did my uh, residency training in psychiatry at NYU Bellevue in uh, New York City. My father was a surgeon, as were uh, two uncles, and it's interesting that when I picked psychiatry, my father, who was a surgeon, and surgeons have a career discipline of knowing how to circumscribe a problem and treat it in their way. And my father said, uh, great, great wisdom that he offered me was that if you're going to be a psychiatrist, learn something specific that the other uh, folks don't know. And at that time, there were ex- exceedingly long hospital stays. And the talk therapy, unfortunately, still the same, can can uh, go on forever with a, with a beginning, a very long sure. goal, and possibly no end. Now today, of course, the hospital stays are far too short, in my opinion. So I decided to work on that model of circumscribing a particular set of problems, a problem or two or three problems. And I went up after my training to uh, New York Presbyterian Columbia University and uh, studied for four or five years under a great mentor, Dr. Herb Spiegel, who was an expert in yet unnamed uh, uh, therapies. It was CBT cognitive behavior therapy had not become popular. And he was an expert in this and in hypnosis relaxation behavior modification and then i took that um, information back to my home base uh, new york university medical center bellevue and established a short-term psychotherapy unit starting with smoking cessation and weight control and w- those were done usually in one one visit and uh, translated this into my private practice and then we expanded to anxiety phobias civilian aspects of PTSD. I'm not familiar with, I don't do work in the military and insomnia. And we found the whole program was very successful. And I ran it for about 20 years. And, and, um, at the same time, I started over 30 years ago, writing newspaper columns about various methods to, um, shorten, uh, psychotherapy. And in the process, I developed my own learning, philosophizing and action, uh, spin on cognitive behavior, behavior therapy and that CBT cognitive behavior therapy, it's hard for people to understand what that's about. But if you right. define it in terms of what did you learn? How could, how did it philosophize about it? And how, if you learn some stuff that doesn't work for you, how does it affect your life and what kind of actions can you take to get a new perspective on the old set of problems? And much of this stuff, when you circumscribe it, You're just addressing one or two problems, not the whole existence of man or womankind. And it's just basically learning how to get a new perspective on the old set of problems from what you learned, uh, how you philosophize about it, and your action. And I put this together in the book, Find Freedom Fast, uh, which is available on Amazon, of course. And uh, I tried to show readers that that many times you can improve your situation in a short-term model it also allows a person to take some of the stigma out of mental health care which still exists uh, because the view is it's just going to go on forever and i'll you know never get better never get any
2: help absolutely 40 million americans 40 million american adults suffer from anxiety disorder every year that's a huge i mean that's a huge number Doc, that's a huge oh, I, number. Yeah, I,
5: I, I would say it borders on epidemic. But, you know, unlike a, a bacterial epidemic, oftentimes we don't recognize an emotional epidemic. And that includes a lot of civilian PTSD, much of which, which in my opinion, doesn't get diagnosed. And because it's pure. What do you mean by that? Tell us. Pure depression. Well, right. Tell, me, give us an um, example. You know, PT, post traumatic stress disorder is. Uh, something that occurs from a a massive trauma, um, natural disasters, man-made disasters, obviously war, torture, incarceration. And uh, it's you're uh, you're facing death or someone around you is facing death. It's a real separation of you from life. But in my experience, there's a lot of subclinical PTSD in terms of how the brain processes the disorder. For example, I've seen so much So much of of, uh, divorce, bankruptcy, job loss, where a person sees this as almost the end of their existence, almost the end of their life. And to me, it's not so much the event, it's how the person processes it. And I've seen a lot of that, and it's very treatable once you can identify it. Now, anxiety and depression can certainly be a part of post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, but if you just treat the anxiety or just treat the depression, you're going to miss the the traumatic event that this particular person has processed. There's someone who's going to go through a divorce or lose a job and see life as, as, as being improved. But there are also many, many people who have a vulnerability to this, and they will... Um, echo the, the symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder, which can be treated in many, many cases, and oftentimes it can be treated in a, in a short-term model. But, but your point about anxiety being an epidemic across the nation uh, is, is, is well taken because it is, it is there, and uh, people get anxious, they get phobic, they, they're living, or we're all living in a very high-stress environment where uh, you know, the, the usual nine-to-five job doesn't occur anymore, because uh, if your manager or your boss texts you at 8.30 at night for something, uh, you're, you're ending up texting them back, and suddenly an hour and a half has gone by and you're still working. And yes. the downtime is is limited. And the anxiety goes on over and over. We, we, we're we inundated with the 36- or 48-hour news cycle and how bad the weather is going to be and the rain and the wind. And sometimes the rain and the wind never shows up. Uh, And and this is all producing uh, anxiety, and certainly in people who are vulnerable for it. You know, we have different vulnerabilities. Two people go pick up a heavy box, and one person's fine, another person has their back go out. Uh, The same thing is true with with emotional issues. Someone gets stressed out, and and it means nothing to them, and they move on, and someone else is affected by it. And I think uh, for those folks affected by it, they should be able to, as a consumer, pick mental health as a short-term solution before they go into a long, uh, open-ended procedure. You know, if the roof is leaking, you fix the roof. You don't have to burn down the whole house. And I try to, uh, for those who read the book, besides seeing the techniques and seeing the definitions of anxiety and phobias and PTSD, and a a composite of vignettes, it also should teach the reader to be a good consumer and, and ask, what kind of therapy they're getting into and they might want to prefer a short term model. Obviously there are, there are are psychiatric care that requires medication and and there are some illnesses that need that. And I'm okay with that because the medications starting in the fifties and moving forward have successfully helped people live productive lives, just like an infectious disease or heart disease. But the whole, the whole point is you need to be a good consumer and ask, and not be faced with your denial or your resistance because you're trying to negotiate your own type of therapy. You know, we go into a grocery store and we have no problem asking how long the tuna fish has been sitting out there. Well, we can do the same, we can use the same model for um, getting uh, medical care, including uh, mental health care.
2: Uh, Absolutely, absolutely. This is really very important work that you're doing, Dr. Robert T. London. Find Freedom Fast is the new book what's the website please
5: uh, the website is findfreedomfast.com and uh, on both on amazon and findfreedomfast.com the book is uh, easily available and it's a good read and you can pick up pick it up and read three pages and read five pages the next day and 10 pages the next day it's it's pretty easy and the table of contents and index tells you exactly where to yeah. go then Three steps we'll to overcome through.
2: anxiety and PTSD. Thank you so much, Doc, and we'll be back in a moment. I'm Frankie Boyer. This is biz Talk Radio. Stay tuned.
5: offer.
1: A breakthrough in hearing aid technology is here. Go to BizTalkEarGo.com to learn more. BizTalkEarGo.com
2: And welcome back. It is Frankie Boyer, and this is BizTalk Radio. Oh, my gosh. I am so fascinated by our next guest. This is... I, I am so... Enthralled with what you're doing, Corey, Doc Rowe. Nice to have you with us. Oh, thank you very much. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. So, so let's tell everybody a little bit about you. You're, you're co-editor of, of, um, boing a boing. web. Say it again. Boing boing. Boing boing. boing, boing. Yeah, just like it yeah. is. Yeah, boing
6: boing. One of the oldest, one of the oldest web blogs in the world. Been around for 20 years, uh, and um, several million readers a month right uh, and just uh, a few uh, just a few technology. people yeah 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 you c- technology and culture website
2: right you're a, a special consultant to the e- electronic frontier foundation an mit media lab research associate so are you right here in in uh, the boston area oh no i i actually
6: live in burbank um the work i do with mit relates to a long project uh, that actually ties in with my new book. It's a, a project to repeal the law that was passed in 1998, the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, that says that if a company puts a lock on a product that you buy, that it's against the law for you to remove that lock, even if you're doing so for a lawful purpose. So that's the law that, for example, says that farmers can't uh, change their tractors' software so that they can affect their own repairs, or you know that stops you from uh, modifying your printer to use third-party ink, or modifying your phone to accept apps from app stores other than the one that it came with
2: so fascinating so tell us the name of the new book
6: so the new book i didn't want to presume here uh but the new book is called radicalized it's four science fiction novellas that's my other life is i'm a um, a best-selling science fiction novelist and these four novellas i I call them my trump derangement syndrome stories I, i wrote them as I was uh, being buffeted like all of us with all of these headlines, all of which seemed worse than the last, and and that I, I was struggling to make any sense of. And when I get in that position, I always try to use narrative to try and and, and uh, understand things and unpick them. And so these are four narrative stories about these very contemporary issues. So I mentioned this law, the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. The first story in the book is called Unauthorized Bread. And it's about people in refugee housing in Boston and um, all of the the uh, appliances in their apartments are designed to suck every penny possible out of their pocket. So the toaster will only toast authorized bread from a single high-priced bakery, and the washing machine will only wash clothes that come from approved vendors. It's basically inkjet printers, but for everything. And you know <laughs> this is bad enough, but but the companies that are run that that do this kind of thing, they tend to be run by financial engineer hedge fund types who eventually yeah. you know, get into yeah. so much trouble with stock buybacks, they tank the company. And so then all the appliances stop working because now they don't have servers to contact. And so that's when these guys figure out how to jailbreak their appliances, which sounds great, and it ushers in this kind of golden era, but it comes to a, cre- a crashing halt when these companies restructure in bankruptcy and uh, the people who live in this building realize that their appliances are about to rat them out. And when they do, they can be charged with a felony under the Digital Millennium Copyright Gosh. Act, yeah. which could lead to them being deported. Now, obviously, this is a very fanciful way of talking about this stuff. But, you know, Johnson & Johnson just got regulatory approval for an artificial pancreas that uses uh, proprietary insulin cartridge. So you can refill it with your own generic insulin, but the the, the, uh, artificial pancreas won't recognize it. You have to buy premium insulin to keep your internal organs going.
2: Boy, uh, I don't. Boy, this is unbelievable. What are we? What do you think that we as Americans, what do we need to do to deal with this technology? I mean, well, you want to you sure. be able to embrace technology because without it, where are we, as you know? Yeah, well, I, and I
6: totally agree. I don't think doing nothing is an option, and I think we can opt out. In fact, there's a, the, one of the stories in the book uh, is called um, uh, The Mask of the Red Death. It's a reference to this Edgar Allan Poe story, another Bostonian. Uh, yes. and, and it's about rich preppers who think that when the end of the world comes, the way that we get it fixed is by cowering in a luxury bunker while someone else does all the hard work. And what they find out is that we have this shared microbial destiny, right? That we all, like, if, if you just wait for the, po- the corpses to pile up on your doorstep, eventually you're going to die of cholera. You need to be part of the solution, otherwise you're part of the problem. And, you know, this, this inequality that gives rise to this idea that all of our problems are individual, they all have individual solutions, uh, and and that um, we don't have a society, we just have individuals, has produced this outcome where all of our policy is made without any regard to what is best for most of us, right? It's with, with policy for the few and not the many. So this digital millennium copyright thing, you can understand why manufacturers would want to be able to bootstrap a law to create a, a new kind of uh felony contempt of business model rule that says that you know once you put a lock on a device you can force your customers to arrange their affairs to benefit your shareholders even if that comes at their own expense what what's hard to understand is why do we have policies that back this up because normally that's the kind of thing market just solve, right normally if your printer comes with lock to a specific kind of very expensive ink that costs more than you know vintage some smart entrepreneur will just figure out how to refill the cartridges or make new ones. We saw that, but now we see the increasing deployment of these software locks, and uh, the, the third-party manufacturers are pulling out of the market. It's getting harder and harder to get replacement ink, and this is spreading to every device. And so this is not really a question of the technology, right? Like, you know, you look at Google spying on us or Facebook spying on us. Like no one came down off a mountain with two stone tablets that said stop (laughs) rotating your log files and start mining them for actionable market intelligence. These are decisions that people made and when those decisions were made they were backed up in statute. And so for starters when we're worried about technology what we're really worried about is not what the technology does but who it does it for and who it does it to. And those are not technological questions they're political ones. And we finally actually have some leaders who are making noises about antitrust this has actually become a somewhat bipartisan issue. You know, you have Elizabeth Warren on the one side saying that we should be breaking up the big tech platform. Yes. It's my sincere yes. hope that she goes from there to the big entertainment platforms and the big oil companies. And, you know, there's about to be a writer strike here in, in Burbank, where I live, because it turns out there's only three big talent agents left and they're all owned by hedge funds and they're screwing their clients. You know, we need to break up all of these concentrated industries. This, yeah, that's not yeah. how markets are supposed to work, right? And then right. on oh, and the other hand... Oh, we're out of
2: time. Will you come back, look, oh, Corey? Oh, yeah, anytime.
6: So the book is called Radicalized. It's from Tor Books. And, and give us you can get the, it
2: anywhere and everywhere. And your website ahead is?
6: Boingboing.net. That's where I write about technology, culture, and politics every day.
2: A Wonderful. Congratulations hey, on the new book. Great. Thanks so Thank much. And we'll much. be back... Right. Next time, thanks for being with us. This has been another edition of the Frankie Boyer Show for BizTalk Radio. Thanks for listening. Make it a great day. And as always, smile. Smile, though
1: your heart is aching. Smile, even though it's breaking. When there are clouds
3: in the sky, you'll get by.
1: If you smile through your pain and sorrow, smile and make